Good morning. God bless you all. And I want to welcome you to Pastor Pete's podcast. This is episode five of our walk through the book of James in the Holy Bible. I'm hoping you're all had a great week. And if not, um, I just pray that God would pour out blessings and give you the things that you need. As a matter of fact, let's open up with prayer. Lord, I just pray for all brothers and sisters in Christ and anyone else who might be listening to this podcast, Lord God, that your word would become truth in their hearts and their minds, Lord God. And I just pray that uh, you would bless them in, in some way through understanding your word, Lord God. Let my words not be my own, but let them be the words that you would have them hear. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Well, episode four, we kind of learned a little bit uh, well, in the previous episodes, we, we started out with the book of James in the chapter one, and we learned uh, a little bit about faith and what faith means and, and how it applies to how we act and behave. Um, we also learned about uh, the difference between trials and temptations, that yes, we go through trials, but we're not to confuse our temptations with uh, something that God has given us, although he does allow us to go through temptations uh, for trials, for, for perfecting us so that we become more Christ-like. Um, as a, a good friend once said to me, faith untested is no faith at all. And so we do go through trials, and, and some of them may be temptations that we have to overcome. Um, the, the biggest deal and the biggest thing for us as Christians is our faith. We have to place our faith in Christ Jesus and in and our hope in him and that we can expect that when we do place our hope in and faith and belief, because remember we have to trust and believe for faith to be pure, uh, we have to have that uh, in order to um, understand where God is taking us, where the Holy Spirit is directing us. Anyway, so we're going to pick up today with uh, chapter 2, and verses 1 through 4 says in chapter 2, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? One of the things I like about James uh, is that in his letter, there are no segues. He finishes one section and moves to the next as he does here. Maybe he thought he was explaining how a, father, a follower of Christ should behave and the heart behind the behavior because time was not to be wasted on building a case and explanations behind it. Remember, back then there was no internet, there was no snail, there wasn't snail mail. It was all hand delivery by way of horse, camel, ship, and often combinations of all of those. So if we assume that he was, as we stated uh, in our previous um, episodes, that he was James, the brother of Jesus, and the pastor, leader, bishop over the church in Jerusalem, we have to assume that he did indeed speak with the authority given to him by God. And that, that's how, we, how it got into the Bible and how we move forward with our trust and faith. Well, in verse 1, again, we see the word uh, brothers and sisters or sometimes brethren, and the word Adelphoi is used there. 
But the word for favoritism, and I'm going to probably mess this up because my Greek is not so great, but I'm going to give it a try anyway. And those of you who listen uh, or that are excellent Greek pronunciation, uh, <laughs> if that's your specialty, you can correct me and I will consider myself wiser by that correction. Anyway, the word for favoritism is pros opal epsiais. And I'm probably made it wrong, pronounced it wrong, but that's how I'm doing it. Anyway, it's translated also to partiality. And the emphasis is the same in most translations, in most versions. Uh, why does God want us to not discriminate based on anything at all? Well, verses two and three, he gives a very good example of which we to this day still do fall into doing. This is one of the places where the translation from the Greek leaves absolutely no ambiguity. There is no subtlety on the part of the author either, especially in the last part of part, verse 3. Sit, stand there, or sit at the floor by my feet. Not only are the offenders placing them in areas of not honor, but they are subjugating them by placing them at their feet. I remember several years ago when I was sitting in church one Sunday, and a couple came in and looked like they were street people. They were carrying backpacks, and their clothes looked dirty, and they smelled as though they hadn't showered for weeks. They sat in front of me and smelled bad. My first reaction to my shame was that I wished that they sat somewhere else. And I remembered this passage and I was and I was convicted. I then welcomed them and did my best to make them feel comfortable. James slams the people who did that then and us now. In verse 4, stating that this attitude is evil. I like that he does not even address the action, except to call it what it is, but the heart behind the action. Um, most of us, and I I'm, I'm, don't know if you have or not, but um, I'm going to do this anyway. I do a lot of movie quotes, and so you'll, I, maybe I'm a little bit of a couch potato, but I do take a lot of examples from, from movies. Anyway, the movie Titanic, you know, that one where, not the old one, but the, the more recent one uh, that was done by Cameron, somebody or another. Anyway, um, it was with Leonardo DiCaprio, Kate Winslet, the Titanic um Remember that Sunday morning onboard service scene? Remember that only the first class, the high class wealthy passengers were deemed worthy enough and allowed to attend. They barred uh, DiCaprio's low class character from even attending. We truly need to be careful. I mean, that's like worse than uh, setting them at your feet. They wouldn't even let them attend a, a, a church service, a worship service to God. I mean, woof. Anyway, we need, truly need to be very careful of how we feel and how we treat others. Matthew 25, uh, verses 31 through 40, Jesus tells us this. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and the, all, all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty, and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger, and welcome you, or naked, and clothe you? And when did we see you sick, or in prison, and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it 
to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And in Hebrews 2, chapter 2, verse 2, it says, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Therefore, uh, I love the therefore, Paul is a great therefore guy. Anyway, therefore, favoritism is a big no-no to God. After all, he never showed any partiality towards us when we were his enemy, but showed us grace and mercy out of love for us. And since now we represent him in the world, he expects and requires that we do the same. Well, James continues on with this theme in verses 5 through 7. Verse 5. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters. Has not God shown those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? James is telling us to get real. He references the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, verse 6 says, but you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into the court? I'm talking about, I'm sorry, I jumped back to James chapter 2, verse 6. And 7 says, are not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? James is really nailing this home. He's telling us that not only are we discriminating, we're also choosing favor of the ones who are persecuting us based upon their positions and of monetary power. And don't we really see that? Don't we see that in today's society? I mean, we we elevate these people who are uh, the rich and famous. You know, the you know lifestyles of the rich and famous, and somehow it's okay for them to tip their nose up at us, or 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 persecute us, or or treat us like crap because you know, after all, they are who they are, right? Well, it's not okay in God's eyes. God doesn't want us to do that either. So in so doing, when we behave badly to those whom we discriminate against purely on their lowly economic status, we are dishonoring God himself to the point of blaspheming, cursing his pure name, his holy name. The Greek word used for noble is kalon, which translates to morally beautiful. It often is used as an idea which means the perfect example. Anyone remember the fourth commandment? Exodus 20, verse 7, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Do you think blaspheming his name might fall under this? Do you think that James primarily, do you think that James primarily Jewish audience recognized this as well? You think they didn't know that? They knew it. They recognized it. And I'm sure some of them felt, well, that's not me, or some of them said, well, well, you know, whatever, and try to justify it. But there'll be enough of them, myself included, even though I'm not a Jewish audience I'm today, uh, that will say, ah, there's my cuckoo clock. 
I love my cuckoo clock. My wife uh, and my sister-in-law gave it to me, brought it back from Germany. Anyway, I digress. Um, James's primarily Jewish holiday is recognized as well. We should too. We should recognize what we're doing when we discriminate. We discriminate those who are less fortunate than us, or we promote those who abuse us to a higher status. Shouldn't be doing that. And it's the, like it says here, um, uh, like he says, uh, are not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong. We belong to Jesus Christ. We don't want to blaspheme, blaspheme against him simply by being discriminate by discriminating or being prejudiced. And we could put prejudice right in there with it. And prejudice isn't just racial. There is all kinds of prejudices. And I'm, I'm not going to go into that right now, but there are. I mean, just as a few, we know that there's racial prejudice. There is um, gender prejudice. There is uh, um, age prejudice. All of that, all of that is discrimination. And it's not good discrimination either is is wrong discrimination as as uh james is trying to tell us here well he, he, in verse eight he goes on to say if you really keep the royal law found in scripture love your neighbor as yourself you are doing right but if you show favoritism you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is built is guilty of breaking it all for he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you, if you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Okay, so verse 8, James is referring to Leviticus 19, verse 18. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So this whole idea of loving your neighbor is not a new idea. I mean, it goes all the way back to the Old Testament. You know, we're, we're, you know, Jesus didn't come up with new stuff there. He just reiterated it and reemphasized it and gave it a greater importance than, unfortunately, we humans seem to have washed it over with. Anyway, um, again, evidence that James is speaking primarily to a Jewish believer audience. He states, if you're following this, you're behaving correctly, but then goes on to say in verse 9 that showing favoritism is disobedience of a law stated in Leviticus. Man, doesn't it make you wonder how the Pharisees blew that? Because they did show favoritism. They felt puffed up. They felt that favoritism should be shown to them simply because they were the priests. They were the or uh, the the law, the the understanding, the teachers of the law, and Jesus said, "Man, wrong." <laughs> and we know that that story. And I don't want to go too much into that because we are studying um, James, but we know the stories. We know how he really was angry with the Pharisees, who should have known better and and didn't, and 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 used the law to basically discriminate and abuse people. Anyway. Um, does it specifically state there that uh, favoritism there? No. But can favoritism be a violation of loving your neighbor as yourself? Do you really need to answer that? Well, verses 10 11, James now brings into view of why we need Christ. Guilty one, guilty of one, guilty of all. Um, if you're guilty of one part, you're guilty of all. So we've all broken the law 
I mean, all of us at some point or another, we've broken the law in some way or another. So in that case, none of us could possibly get into heaven because we broke the law. And so Christ had to come. And James was just showing that yet again. Okay, so um, in verses 12 through 13, he says, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. James reiterates, again, the law is not obsolete. How can the law give freedom? Well, Paul tells us in Romans that the law points to righteousness. Romans chapter 3, verse 27. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one, who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith? Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. I think sometime soon in another podcast series, I may have to do Romans. Uh, that would be a, a something that God would have to point me to do because Romans is a biggie. Anyway, um, uh, but with, through, with God, all things are possible, right? So I stated before, Christ did not come to end the law. Matthew 5, 17. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law of prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell to you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commandments and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. James knew this full and states that our hearts should be as those who are still being judged by the law. It keeps us humble and helps us recognize the mercy shown to us by God, by, by God on the cross. And so, we show the same mercy and absence of judgment to others. Favoritism is a type of judgment. Well, if we look at some of this, you know, where he says, uh, you know, your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. You certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, what exactly does that mean? Jesus yelled at the Pharisees and the teacher of the law, and now he's telling us that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, well, how can it possibly pass that? Well, we get our righteousness. Our righteousness is not of our own, not of our own doing, and not of anything that we can have. Our righteousness comes through that of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished on the cross. We know that James knew that, and James was trying to point that out to us and was trying to show us that when we show favoritism, we are mocking, we are mocking what Christ accomplished on the cross. How is that possible? Well, what did he say? What did Jesus said that uh, love your neighbor as you love yourself? How can you possibly? And who is my neighbor? And as uh, neighbor is anybody who's in proximity to you. 
So how, if you're showing favoritism to others, how possibly can you be showing the love of Christ? How can you possibly be representing and witnessing that which Christ accomplished on the cross for all of us? You're not. So it's something you really need to think about the next time you feel uh, above somebody or better than somebody or that or or if you're a lot of us have brought up in, in older families where where racism was just part of the everyday living. And, and uh, while I'm ashamed of that and I, I, I brought into the brought some of that into my own life, I've been forgiven of it and have been god changed my heart totally in that and if that's your heart if you feel that sort of thing ask god to point that out to you ask him to turn that around in your life so that you will no longer be a slave to that sin we want to not discriminate against anybody the freedom of the cross is for everyone and all the blessings that come through it and all the trials that come through it and everything that Christ accomplished on the cross is available to everyone, no matter what their station is, no matter where they are in life, whether they're the, the, the greatest actor of all times, the greatest sports hero of all times, the, the, the greatest leader of all times, or whether it's the, the person that's begging for money on the street or, or the, the person that you know, cl- pumps out septic tanks all day long. Uh, what, whatever it is, uh, the guy that that brings your mail to you, the 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 guy or the girl that brings your mail to you, the the people that serve you in restaurants, they are all, all under the mercy and grace of God, and it is up to Him to make the judgment call. It's up to us to show His love to them. Anyway, uh, next, this is a good place to stop. We're going to move on next time uh, in chapter 2, verses 14. So if you haven't caught up yet, please read and come back and join us. I hope you have a great week. I hope uh, blessings will pour out on you. And um, if you're in need of specific prayer, please feel free to um, uh email me or um, or Facebook me or one of the different things that you can do to get a hold of you. And I certainly will be praying for you. But it is my prayer that God's word will will rest in your heart and will bring you closer to him. And that is my prayer for all of you. And so I wish you a great week and we'll talk again very soon. Thank you.